This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Enterprise is a Razier Game. Sheila Singham from Human Equation joins us for the final Friday of the month and it's our Tools for Transformation series. Of course, you know, the last couple of months what we've been doing is sharing case studies um, and how you resolve them, right? And these case studies, again, real and pertinent things that have we've heard happen to other people, we've personally experienced ourselves, right? So let's get straight into it, Sheila. Um, there is one, this is this is a, the scenario, a professional move from government service to a private sector due to more uh, attractive remuneration. However, soon after, she began to have a sense of dissatisfaction with her job and wondered whether she had made the right move. Now, in the previous position, her work was more service-oriented. In her current position, she was expected to be more profit-oriented by uh, upselling and cross-selling a non-essential but lucrative value-added services to her clients. She began to question herself and ask if she was in the right job and the right place and finally came to see you uh, because she felt she was at the crossroads of her career and how did coaching work for her? (laughs) Yeah, it was very interesting because she actually didn't know at first when she came to see me that that was the issue. Okay. She came because she was feeling a sense of unrest about her job, wondering whether she should go into a different field altogether or she should go back to studying and, you know, learn a new branch of the particular industry she was in. So that was her question to me. Mm. So the initial <coughs> question to you. The initial you, question to me. Unearth. Yeah. <laughs> but she also told me that she loved what she was doing, mm. but that she loved it more in her previous uh, position in the public sector. So as I probed and probed and asked her the questions, um, the right questions, she, I began to realize that the crux of her problem was a limiting belief that she had that asking people to buy things was uh, was not her it was vulgar yeah. okay. no it was wrong and so she was with the public sector for how many years a uh, better part of her career which is in her 40s so okay. maybe about 20 over years so and that transition to the yes. private sector has only been two three years ah. right at first she enjoyed it like a new scenario and all that but after that she because in the public sector you don't have to upsell because you, you're being paid a set mm. salary mm. and it's like public service right you're, you're serving the rakyat so to speak but in the private sector she went because it was lucrative but also she wanted you know a different sort of milieu for to practice whatever she was doing um, but what happened was that she was of course expected to make money also lah, you know private sector it's a business whatever you're doing it's a business so and that she found hard to do because like how do I go and sell to people things that they don't like absolutely need but you know could enhance uh, whatever it is that mm. they're doing. You know, I feel like you're a fraud asking people for money for things mm. that they don't need. So um, what we did was looked, first of all, identified what was the limiting belief. The limiting belief is that, oh, we it, it's vulgar to, to talk about money and uh, to want to sell things, to, to rake in a better income, and that's wrong kind of thing. So we changed that limiting belief. 
Now, it's ecological to change that belief because she is part a partner in a business. Mm. Right? If you're a partner in a business and you think that it's wrong to ask people for money, then better not do business. You shouldn't have joined the public sector, <laughs> right. private sector. Right. So if for her, in that particular context, so we always work within the context of where you are. In that particular context, there was no way she was going to go back to the public sector. So she, she loved what she was doing, you know, but it, it's just that this particular belief needed to be dismantled. So we did that. Second thing we did was we elicited her career values from 1 to 15 um, <clears throat> making money was somewhere at the bottom, mm. right? So if it's at the in your hierarchy of values, if it's the lower among the lowest, then it stands to reason you're not going to be like it, it's not going to be a driver for you, mm. lah. Okay. So what we did was we asked her whether it would make sense to move it to the top three, all right? Because mm. you're in a business. Mm. If you're in a business, and I say this to all business people out there, if you're in a business and you elicit your values. And if your the need to make money or wealth creation is at the bottom of your list, then business is not going to jalan. You know what mm. I mean? So we need to move it out. So there is a process where you move the value up into the hierarchy. Don't move it up to the top. Right. You must never touch your topmost value, okay? Because mm. that would just then just change everything else, the dynamics of everything else. So you can move it to number two or number three. And we did that. And boy, and I'm watching her physiology as this is happening. And at the end of it, she said, Wow, wow, everything has changed for me now. Mm. Now I, when I think of go, about going back to work and, you know, somebody coming to me and for something and me sort of cross-selling, upselling, it doesn't, it doesn't um, make me feel bad anymore. Mm. That there's no dissonance inside of me. It's, it's totally congruent with what I'm expected to do. Mm. So she saw that. And then I spoke to her. Uh, she's finished her course of coaching. I spoke to her about a month later. And she said, it's all going really well mm. at work. She, she looks forward to going to work. There's no more that sense of unease inside, that, that discordance. Mm. You know what I mean? That, that bit of conflict. One part of me wants to do this. The other part of me is saying, no, no, it's not right. So all that's been settled now. And she's completely congruent with what she has to do right. and what she wants to do. It's all aligned now. With the, with the first challenge, you were saying that uh, about this whole concept of selling. What were some of the questions you asked um, I asked her, do you have a belief about money, about asking people for money? She said, yeah, it's not good to ask people for money. Then the other belief was that you need to give people exactly what they need, mm. right? You shouldn't be getting them to buy into other stuff if they didn't ask you for that stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. Even though it's going to be good for them. Yeah. So it was her own belief. Now, beliefs are, are illogical sometimes. Okay, we cannot say that every belief that we have is carved in stone, mm. that it's right. Because we acquire beliefs from different, different places. So supposing we acquired a belief from our parents. Yeah. yeah and that belief was in the first place, it was illogical, it was yeah. wrong. Yeah. And we acquired... Money is evil. Not yeah, whatever, yeah. Yeah. Money is evil, you know. Mm. So like some people say, oh... Um, <coughs> Uh, the money is the root of all evil. But actually, that's a misquote. Yeah. The love of money is the root of evil. You know yeah. what I mean? If you just love money to the exclusion of everything else, and then that's going to you know, cause you to be compromising in many ways. So anyway, so that, that's aside. So in this instance, we asked her that question. So when we identified the belief and the question was, where did you get that belief from? 
And of course, parents were in public sector and all that. So, you know, you got that, uh, oh, it's wrong to go and do business, ask people for money and all these business people are just, uh, you know, not having ethics and things yeah, like that yeah. to do that, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, but it's normal. Uh, yes. Frida, if you yes. go to McDonald's, yes. you want to buy a burger, the Who's guy that? is going to say, what, uh, would you like a double? You know, it, it costs it's just us. this much. Yeah. And then, you you know, French fries and, and drink all in the package, right? Yeah. It's going to cost you less than buying each one individually. So they are upselling and we fall for it. Yeah. But right? they feel they're giving you better value. Yeah. Right? That's where they, well, they feel they're coming from. Yeah. Um, okay. So in the case of under identifying her values, what did you move around? What was the top value and what did you have to move around? Okay. The, um, the top value was um, something to do with, you know, kind of career satisfaction. That's why when she felt that she was not being satisfied, she wanted to go into a different line and maybe find satisfaction there so it was like career satisfaction and number two was um, I don't know I think it was um, what did you have to move up oh I had to move up the the um, sort of wealth creation uh-huh Okay, wealth creation, profitability. I had to move that up. The whole list of values was was very. It was very strong values, you know, mm-hmm. respect, satisfaction, accomplishment, growth. All that was there. Really good, powerful values. But she's she's in a business, no? So yeah. wealth creation, the number. 13 out of 15 or something like that. So I asked her, we move that up. That would enable you yourself to be creating more okay. sort of, you know, wealth for your part of the business as a partner. Okay. So when we move that up, I think we moved it to number two or number three. So as long as it's among the top five values. Mm. So we moved it up. So so, so in this case of, of, of moving the values is that she had listed herself that these are important values, mm. but she listed 14, 15. So uh, so long as it's in the list, you can actually help a person to move it yes, up the value definitely. the value chain so to speak yeah okay. definitely that but if it's a, not in the list then um, we could we could actually put it in we could get it down mm. somewhere in a list I know wherever it is and mm. then we could move it up Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll look at other case studies uh, in just a moment. I'm here with Sheila Singer from Human Equation in our Tools for Transformation series. Stay tuned to Raising Game, BFM 89.9. Built for Marketeers, BFM 89.9. <laughs> Good morning, Frida Liu here. You're listening to Raise Your Game. Sheila Sinker from Human Equation in our Tools for Transformation series. She joins us the final Friday of every month. It's already the end of November. Where did the month go? Anyway, what we've been doing uh, uh, has been, you know, we've been discussing case studies. So these are people that you've met and what you did using NLP to help resolve some of these challenges. Now, here's the second case study. And this is a young lady who is rather demoralized. She has had a difficult childhood in a rather dysfunctional family. Highly intelligent, yet not motivated to study. She spent her school years involved in a number of distracting activities that included drugs, partying and the like, uh, neglecting her studies and not taking any exams. After school she tried her hand a number of things but never really made a success at any of them her self-esteem was further eroded by family members telling her that she should try and get a job as a receptionist because although she was not qualified she was beautiful and could speak well so they constantly undermined her desire to discover her true niche in the world of fashion performing arts so how did coaching work for her well first of all um we had to dismantle all the limiting beliefs she had acquired 
about herself as a result of what people around her had been telling her. Mm. And she really had got it a lot from people just because she had not been, you know, academically qualified in mm. any way. So the first thing we needed to do was to point out to her all those case studies of people who are not academically qualified, who didn't even maybe finish standard six or form three in school, and but yet, are now who are hugely successful millionaires owning businesses and all that. Mm. So once she saw those possibilities, then, you know, kind of be loosen those limiting beliefs already that she was like, oh, there are other people like me out there. I mean, in the sense that didn't study and all that, but, you know, could do good. Mm. Right. So then that hope was kind of restored. Then we got rid of the limiting belief using timeline therapy processes. We dismantled all the limiting beliefs she had that she had acquired over the years from teachers and parents and relatives and all that. And so once that was done, she was ready to move forward. Then we set well-formed outcomes for her. What did she want to do? And she actually went and tried her hand at all of Mm. this. No, but more importantly, the fact was that we we um, I told her that it's okay. You don't have to be a certain age to finish all your experimenting in life as yeah. far as careers are concerned. You know, I told her of people who in their fifties had started new businesses. People in their forties who moved on to new careers. Colonel Sanders <laughs> in his sixties, exactly, exactly. I mean, even I even told her my own my own case studies of switching uh, careers at different decades of my life, starting mm. my business when I was just you know bordering on fifty. Mm. Uh, so I said, it's yeah. fine. Mm. It's okay to go and take some time to explore what you're really interested in. To find your niche some people never find it some people take a lifetime and then find it and it's fine because it's your life and you determine how you want to live your life and where you want to go in your life and I said to her it should never be anybody else's decision what you do with your life Mm. how you behave whether you study or not okay so you didn't study there's still time to do that if you want but if you don't also it's fine Mm. you know so go and explore what you want to do because she is good at a lot of things very talented young lady it's just at finding that niche so she has been Mm. you know in the past year she has been exploring different areas and doing really well at them and being very happy. Mm. Um, at this point in time, uh, she might not entirely have found the right niche. But I say to myself, maybe there's just not one niche. Yeah. Maybe got two or three. So what? Yeah. Right? There are people who are talented in a few things. Well, yeah. So go and do that. Like you yourself, Frida. I mean, you know, you're a presenter, you're a writer, an MC, fashionista and all that. <laughs> Right. I think also the question is then, I think whenever you try to do something new, is ask yourself, what has age got to do with it? Exactly. Age has got nothing to do with it. I just I just read on Facebook about this 70-something-year-old grandmother who went and started um, going to the gym when she was in her 60s, right? And she got a body to die for. Uh-huh. All right? So... You know, a lot of our people, uh, they think that, oh, at 50, 55, I have to retire. At 60, I've got to retire. And when you do that, that actually stops your mind from growing and, yeah. and working. Mind's got to keep alert. Mm-hmm. You know, so even people even ask me, mm-hmm. uh, sure, how come you're still working? You know, you're not retiring. I say probably I, I retire the day I drop dead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there's so much to do out there yeah. in the world. So much to explore. Speaking of, speaking of Facebook, I, I go to this uh, particular page uh, that's it's called Growing Boulder. Okay. Right? And it's just all these people at 
age groups that are, you know, youth 80s and 90s, you think they've been in the rocking chair and they're doing all these running marathons and all this sort of thing. And that's very inspirational for mm. me. And I choose to feed my mind mm. with these kind of things. Yeah. So it's not about growing old, it's about growing bolder. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. So, you know, so yeah. So, I, so in this case, like, so she's a fairly. What was it like for her growing up? When you say dysfunctional, what were the what was what was the message that was fed to her? Well, you know, parents had mm. conflict with each other and then went their separate ways, and um, so did I. 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 There was a lot of cross messages coming to her, mm. and the fact of the matter is, usually in families where. Parents go their separate ways, whether there's divorce involved. The children do go through a process of self-esteem issues, you know, because they begin to question themselves. Could they have done something? Was it because of them? And, you know, they, they feel devalued that we yeah. were not enough for them to stay together, that sort of thing. They also become more street smart in mm-hmm. some ways, yeah. but still those beliefs are there that yeah. need to be released. Love. So what, what would your advice be, you know, because, you know, this is a common phenomenon now with, with parents a divorce and what can you then what are things that you can do to impact it will impact the child yes it will definitely but what's the the best thing you can do or words you can say behaviors that you can show uh to to make that impact as as least painful as possible i i think the first thing that parents need to do is they need to actually sit together all right, they need to put aside their animosity and whatever uh, you know anger issues they have mm. with each other to to look at the child and say we need to sit together and deliver the news to the parents mm. to the children, mm. and then to be to reiterate over and over again it's not you. It's us mm. and it's going to be more harmful for us to stay together and for you to grow up in the environment than for us to separate. But And the parents have to really put aside the animosity to be friends, yeah. mm. to endeavor to be friends. I mean, if friends is too much, then civil civil to each other and not to have all this squabbling and fighting and, and all that in front of the child. Or behind, you know, I mean, as in, you know, talking back uh, bad about the other parent mm. uh, in their absence. Yeah, I, I've heard horrendous stories of one parent really trying to you know um, sort of emotionally blackmail the child or psych the child against the other parents using the child as a pawn, pawn. and I think that is so terrible yeah. that is so very terrible you must refrain because at the end of the day the other parent is the child's the other, your, your uh, former spouse is the child's father parent, or mother, father yeah. or mother. Yeah. and you need to whatever your feelings are towards the other party you cannot let the child dishonor the other party right. uh, no, to take side and and I I actually had a case where you know a parent was trying to tell a child mm. to say things to the father to work on the father and said no you cannot do yeah, that yeah. you must never use your child to go and advise your uh, spouse ex spouse or current spouse about what they need to do this mm. child was what six years old mm. you're trying to tell a six year old to tell the father to step up and take responsibility cannot because the child is torn so this uh, yes. child was torn this this young person yes. we are talking about earlier was torn yeah. and I'm staying with the mother but you know my, my father is my father la. Yeah. the blood ties yeah. can never truly be severed you and, know? and I guess like you're growing up you have your own issues I don't need your issues yeah. to pile onto the child oh, oh, of course yeah. so and, and so that was what kind of like you know hurt and damaged her plus the fact both sides are putting onto her like oh mm. you're stupid la. you never went to school really you study you don't want to study and now you see you can't do anything with your life Hi yo. 
<laughs> so this is what happens when you cause that kind of damage. Now, I know we've got another uh, challenge and we'll we'll talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about that now, right? Mm. Uh, this is a, a pastor mm. who had anger issues that interfered with his career. So his church board directors deemed what they called his lack of self-control as a stumbling block to his ability to be a good role model and leader for the youth of whom he was in charge. He was told to deal with his anger and manage it, but was not told how, mm. right? Uh, when he found out uh, coaching could help him, he decided to offer it. So how did things turn out for him after? Mm. So he came to see me. He was actually recommended to me. Mm. He came a bit sceptical because, you know, like a lot of spiritual people think that spirituality is the only way to deal with things. And I'm not going to dispute that. If it works for you, fine. But when you're dealing with the spirit side of people, a man, you also must remember that he's got a soul, he's got a body, he's got yeah. emotions, he's yeah. got a mind. Sometimes things sit in there while you are in a in a spiritual phase. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I think also like, you know, uh, one of the things that we talk about is you know, to seek the counsel of the wise because we don't have all the answers. Correct. Right? And if you, you know, if you can't get those answers spiritually, then you'll have to seek counsel from wise people. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Mm. So, I mean, sometimes you hear of people saying, oh, you see, you know, he's a pastor or a spiritual leader and all that. And look at him. He's got money issues, corruption issues. You know, he gets involved in sex scandals and all that. Now, what's that about? Spirituality mm. is, is a great support. You know, it braces yeah. you up. It, it, faith is, is a wonderful thing. Right. I myself am, am in a person of faith. Mm. You know, I believe in God. At the end of the day, I've also seen a lot of people who have a strong faith, but who've not been able to deal with the issues, right? Right, because it's all embedded in their past; it's all stuck there. Yeah. They don't know how to get it out. So, what I did with this guy again, I used timeline therapy techniques to get rid of his negative emotions—not just anger, but sadness and hurt and all those other things mm. that were enmeshed with the anger, mm. you know, from his childhood and mm. things like that. Also, some limiting beliefs that supported the anger. So, when we did that, poor you could immediately see like you know a, a total yeah. draining of the energy and the yeah. anger and the negative the, energy the negative energy yes and after that um, we gave him sort of outcomes alternate behaviors what he should do and people say things and do things how he should behave instead to go back and try mm. right so he did that and today he's very successful pastor leading a youth church mm. um, somewhere else youth in the church he's a youth pastor very successful no more anger issues his wife has uh, come back and he was actually recommended to me um, to me by my mother actually okay. so uh, and and his wife has spoken to her and said that he's doing very well in his career the youth love him no more anger issues you know he's utilizing whatever um, positive um, reinforcement right. coaching that I've given him techniques and all that and, and it just goes to show you know whatever <coughs> career you may mm. be and oh, whatever you know it is it, we come with baggage right we do you know as all as, of us Frida yeah. come with baggage if you have anyone lo- listening out there and say I've got no baggage I've had a fantastic that's life that's the baggage <laughs> uh, I tell you I, I, I really don't believe that because I mean I'm not going to search and dig if you're happy with it fine yes. but everyone who comes to see me or even you know sits across yeah. the table and has coffee with me as they're talking I would actually be able to identify there's this limiting belief or you've got this thing yeah. tell me is that bugging you and they're like how do you know right. because it's so evident sometimes in the that's why what I'm doing uh, the basis of what I do is neuro-linguistic programming mm. so it's about how language affects the mind about how language informs the patterns according mm. to which we behave you know mm. so when you sort of change the language 
some from from people's language you can see mm. what might be the issues you can identify the beliefs and the and emotional mm. stuff that that's going on the way they think and so on and so by actually changing the language patterns as well you can actually change the behavior right you know like when when you talk about and i, I recognize it myself that i am a you know i can get uh, get annoyed very quickly mm. right and and uh, and of course you know, you get this, oh, you know, frustration, everything, and it disappears very mm. quickly. And the question that I have to ask myself: Do I like myself this mm. way? Do I like being triggered so easily? Yeah. Right? Do I? So I. And some people think it's all right. Mm. You know, this is justified, mm. and you feel great about it. So be it. So right? be it. So be it. And then you find that you probably lose a lot of friends. Mm. Or do you then, for me, look at it and say, okay, I don't like how mm. I'm. I, I, you know, I, and I can't blame it on. Oh, that's my temperament. That's my personality, right? I mean, because I don't think it's a healthy thing to do. Yeah. Then I have to address it because I don't like this behavior. Mm. Then I would want to resolve it, yes. right? And to, to minimize that kind of behavior as much as possible. Correct. Right? But you, you, I think you first have to realize you like every aspect of yourself. There's some things you want to improve on. Um, is you know? So I guess then that then. You know, you have to go through that process yeah, first. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, if you, it's about flexibility. The person mm. with the most flexibility actually takes control of the situation, the environment, mm. the relationships. Mm. If you think that's how I am, some people I say, no, like, maybe you need to change this or that. They say, no, this is who I am. You take yeah. me as I am or not. And then people say, or oh, not lah. You know what <laughs> I mean or not. So tough. And then they turn around and say, why are so many people avoiding me? And, yeah. oh, no, people are like this and people are like that. If, if, if a hundred people out there are treating you in a particular way, yeah. Then you got to examine yourself, yeah. and and that's the thing. Not and that's not to be confused when you say I like who I am. That's not to be confused with values. You no. know, your behavior is not to be confused with your values, yes. right? Some things need to change. It yes. doesn't mean that your values are compromised. No. Right. Doesn't so, yeah. the person a person is not their behavior? Mm. We always look behind we, from a person's behavior. We can get a lot of clues about what's going on inside of him. Yeah. So the choice is whether you want to change the behavior. If the behavior is not um, useful to the context. Okay, of which you're operating, then it stands to reason that you want to change the behavior. It's just a right. behavior. So, uh, very interesting topics that we've uh, been discussing, case studies have been discussing. Well, uh, Sheila Singer from Human Equation uh, in our Tools of Transformation series, she'll be, of course, here the final Friday of next month, which is the day before New Year's Eve, right? And you're going to do something a little special, a little Christmas slash New Year special. Yeah, sort of a New Year special because a lot of people at that part, time of the year will be lo- going, looking back and saying, oh, I didn't achieve this, I didn't achieve that. And then you begin to get depressed about feeling like a failure. And I'm just want to go and stress listen in on okay. 30th there is no failure only feedback all right uh, thanks for being with us you've been listening to race game bfm 89.9 thank you for listening to this podcast to find more great interviews go to bfm.my or find us on itunes bfm 89.9 the business station